0: Not your average operator. Not your average operator. Not your average operator. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Operator, with me, Paul Mellon McFadden, sitting here with my two boys. Here's Raf. How you doing? He's plugging his headset in. That's how he's doing. How you doing there, Mike?
1: Pretty good, man. Um, Tough uh, tough last few days, but also a great last few days as well. So Raf and I just got back from Montana, and we're out there with uh, some of our other buddies, uh, our friend Jimmy Boggs that we had on from the Broken and Blessed podcast, uh, and some other guys that we served with in Afghanistan. Uh, it was Jimmy Boggs' 45th birthday, so happy birthday, Papa Bear. Happy uh, birthday,
0: Jimmy Boggs. You sound like a very wise man at forty five.
1: He, he is pretty wise. He's pretty, he's, he's handsome. He actually cut his hair and shaved for us. I, I, I think he did it for us. So, uh, but yes, he's, he's a good man. And we had a wonderful time, lots of time in the mountains, seen lots of wildlife, some mule deer, uh, we went coyotes, uh, prairie dogs, like all kinds of stuff, but it was just lots of time around the fire and uh, just great memories. I, I don't think I've laughed that much consistently in, in years my gut literally hurt from laughing as hard as I did most of those days. So it
0: was great. It's one of those, um, like seeing you guys hanging out together and disconnected from the interwebs and out in the wilderness. And it's funny, right? It's like a caricature of what guys like to do, but there's something very healthy and healing about being in those spaces together in the outdoors and connecting with people you've, Old mates, especially ones you've served with, there's something very healthy about that. I mean, that's probably a whole nother episode, but yeah, great to see you guys together. Theo's got his headset plugged in. How you doing, man?
2: I'm doing pretty good, mate. Um, just like Mike said, you know, just kind of coming off that trip and uh, just enjoying my time home. But it was absolutely a blast, and massive shout out to. Uh, to Jimmy Boggs for putting this together for he and our, another friend, uh, Paul Hansen, who just pinned Colonel um, and he's doing, uh, well, he's trying not to lose his mind in the Pentagon, but uh, anyways, I'm sure he'll be operational before long and he's gonna be an amazing commander because he was uh, one of my flight commanders uh, when he was a captain. So we go way back, deployed to Iraq together, just a good dude, just good, just good around all, all around good dude.
0: I know, uh, you know, it's awesome you guys had that time out camping and uh, hanging out, but probably the thing that we've, the only thing we've really been discussing for the last couple of days, and I know I've been having conversations with uh, veteran and serving friends recently has pretty much been dominated by the events unfolding in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we sort of got together today. It didn't feel like we could really talk about anything else until we would had a conversation about about this, been such a big part, especially your lives, and uh, it's a shared mission that we've undertaken, led by the US, but the liberal democracies have all been in there 20 years, and uh, certainly waking up to see images of Taliban inside the presidential palace and footage from the airport of just, you know, there's no other word to describe it other than horrific horrific scenes at the airport. I know that there's many of our listeners are going to be feeling upset. Various negative emotions might be coming to the fore for many of our listeners. Uh, You know, we've got a concentration of veterans and military, but just right-thinking people, I think, from all walks of life are going to be watching what's unfolding with feelings of trepidation and fear and uncertainty and horror. And so I think that this is clearly the topic that we have gotten together to talk about today?
1: You know, it's selfishly, I'm very happy about where I was when all this started happening. So Raf, correct me if I'm wrong, but before we went on this trip last week, none of this was really happening that much. Right. And I think it was like the first or second day that we were there. We're like, Hey, Raf come walking into breakfast. And he's like, Hey, did you guys see, uh, kandahar fell as i want like, and we we're all just kind of sitting there and then uh there was no signal outside of the the ranch house where we were at so when we were out in the mountains and stuff there's really no signal so we were kind of disconnected and it was just us um and i think what four of us out of the group we all served together in afghanistan and every time we start coming back in the evening for dinner and stuff we we would check in and was an update about like, Hey, the Taliban have done this Taliban have done that. And the airports, you know, being under attack and weapons. And it's like, Holy hell, man. Like it's only been a couple of days and we were, we were very in, involved with a lot of fun activities and us just being us out there. And like I said, disconnecting, but I think it was hard because I think it was on everybody's mind of just kind of like being there. And um, I don't think we really talked about it until, one of the last nights we were there around the fire and we just start telling stories and, you know, kind of visiting that again. So I'm kind of lucky that it, I was there. At least that's the way I feel. I don't know about you ref.
2: No, I think the uh, timing could not have been any better. I mean, to like you said, kind of to be in that position out in Montana with uh, actual you know guys that you would, that we served with overseas in Afghanistan in that theater and to kind of break the news with your brothers um i think it's a trip i feel my i feel like i'm extremely fortunate because i we just talked to to uh ruthless for just a few minutes here and uh i'm not surprised man there's a lot of our friends who aren't surrounded by other buddies and they they don't know how to wrap their head around this right because Um, Some people lost some of their best friends out there. You know, there's people that came back, uh, came back maimed. Um, There's images and atrocities that people saw while they're overseas that they're probably that for the longest time, you just thought, well, it was just the price. That's the price of admission to to help the Afghan people kind of establish their their version of democracy. And then just to kind of see it all topple down. I don't know. I mean, it's I there's. It would be it would be stupid of me to try to like simplify it with just a couple of like elegant words because it's such a complex issue. I mean, it was an it was a complex issue when we were there, Mike. It still mm-hmm. is a complex issue. There's so many moving parts. You know, it's all these pundits on the news. It's funny. I agree with them, but at the same time, I get pissed off because I just feel like they. They really just oversimplify what, what's going on, you know, and I mean, just, just the culture alone in Afghanistan is so complex, with all the different tribes and, and the way they, they, uh, they live and the rules that they live by. Um, so just, just sit there and just kind of oversimplify what's been going on. I think that in itself is a crime, um, you know, but anyways, I'm sure we're going to digress and like unwrap some of the stuff we're talking about right now. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike, all that to say. Uh, I agree with you. I think it was the perfect time to to hear about what was happening, surrounded by the people that I was surrounded by. It, it could I could not have asked for a better place. And I'm sorry that most of my veteran friends didn't have a place like that.
1: Yeah. So I, I think it's important maybe for some of the listeners that aren't military or haven't served there or really know what's going on outside of, you know, the standard Fox, CNN and stuff like that. So, um, been in, been over there for almost 20 years uh already and uh you know the the talk's been hey should we be there should we been you know that's that's not our side but we're just looking at the facts and what happened is you know last year there was uh discussions with the taliban about pulling out uh by a certain time like hey we're not involved in this war it's time for us to go you're going to take the lead on your own country with your military and uh you know that was kind of the understanding. Um, uh, I read through that uh, transcript about what was talked about, what was said, and and again, this is what's in black and white. This isn't political opinion. This isn't my opinion. This is just, you know, what I've read in black and white. Um, you know, it said, hey, we're going to pull out by this time. If there's any any action, if you scare an American, if you frighten, threaten, if you hurt or kill an American, the American military will pound the living hell out of you. And and you'll be sorry that you did if you involve yourself in any way, shape or form in our withdrawal. Um, that was the understanding in the last few days, it doesn't seem like any of that has happened. And it looked like the military pulled out and there was thousands of American civilians working for the state department at the embassy contractors, their families, um, you know, a whole bunch. And then you have the Afghans who helped us, the translators, the the other uh, members of government and everything else that have dedicated themselves to helping us and helping their country with a democracy. We're just left there. And it looked like a knee-jerk reaction of the Taliban sweeping through and, oh, we got to send 3,000 Marines and all these people to, to lock down the airfields again and all this stuff. And the Taliban are just rolling through surrounding... They took Kandahar, which is the, one of the main southern airfields, um, and now they're surrounding Kabul and entering the city. And there's uh, Marines there that are literally holding off on the airfield just to get the American flights out and get everybody out that they can. Um, and just those scenes of that CH-47 flying out of the embassy on, from the roof. And, I mean, there's pictures of it going around of just like, look, it's Saigon 1975 from Vietnam. And it just makes you question, like, was this planned? Was this, the, you know, like there's contingencies for everything. And when I know we talk about contingencies before, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the, what has been happening. And they're still currently, even right now, it's, it's uh, Wednesday morning there in Afghanistan and uh, they're still evacuating, you know, and, and we're, we're going to see how it unfolds, but, you um, that's kind of where we're at right now. So I I know each one of us have our own opinions and feel a different way. And, you know, I just like to say, I don't think any of any one of us is wrong for how we feel because we all have a different experience. And uh, to me, as long as you feel something, that's good because you still have some humanity. If you don't feel anything, then I would say, Hey man, give me a call. Maybe let's talk. I'm a little bit worried about you, you know?
0: And I just would, I think that's probably a good point just to drop in there that the thoughts and feelings you're having, this is a good time to reach out to brothers and sisters, people you served with or people you've got connections with to just get those ideas and thoughts and feelings out in a space where they can be, uh, you know, they don't have to overpower you. And there are people out there who, professionals who understand stuff, and then there's uh, other people who, have experience, who can uh, empathise with you and understand what you're talking about. I just want to, a point that I've not seen discussed, I know I messaged this out to you guys earlier. There were three reasons that we we all went in there. So remembering post 9-11, there was a build-up in 02 and into Afghanistan, we all went. And there were three reasons given and it was to stop terrorist attacks coming out into the West to prevent the atrocities and uh, destruction of religious sites and everything else that was happening under the Taliban in the late 90s and early 2000s. And the third reason was nation-building. And the fact that the nation-building mission, the third one, was such a long, worn out process and it wasn't a clear victory does not mean that the first two missions were unsuccessful Mm -hmm. and it can be easy to lose sight of the fact that there's been 20 years of relative peace inside Afghanistan, despite the ongoing low level uh, combat operations been happening inside the country for 20 years. It has been a different place compared to what it was. And there has also been no successful major attacks in after 9-11 and those two things, are not they were not necessarily inevitable. They were not going to just unfold that way, that the safe haven that was being provided. The life of the average Afghan has, has been different. And the people in the West who are able to sit around and have a coffee in the morning in Sydney and New York and London and Paris, while there has been disruption and there has been low-level stuff, there hasn't been anything on the scale of what was seen. So don't lose sight of the fact that those two missions were successful and 20 years of peace is, that's not nothing. I mean, if you think pretty much anyone below the age of 35, so they were 15 when this sort of happened on down, they've had 20 years of relative peace and structure and stability relative in Afghanistan. And when you look at the demographics, that's 50% of their population, have lived the bulk of their lives in a very different place. I mean, we can hope that that's, that's enough, that that's a momentum that they didn't have, that these 50% of the population who's had this life experience differently are going to maybe not call for change, but have that change flow that that 20 years of life experience, even if, even if it does go back to how it was 20 years of relative peace and safety and structure, that's not nothing like that's, That's a massive thing to to have given anyone at any time. And just remember that this region of the world, it's it's been in combat ops pretty much for recorded history. So it's not, it's a different part of the world. And so a 20-year window of peace is a massive gift to have given anyone. So don't lose sight of those first two reasons for the whole mission. And the failure of the third or the... Not total success of the third, the nation building does not mean the first two were failures. I just would like our veteran community to keep that in mind.
1: Very well said, Melon, and <clears throat> it's very true. And I've been reflecting on it the last couple of days. I've, I've been getting texts and phone calls from a couple of guys um, from the Wolf Pack that I, you know, that I was with 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 Raf. Some of these guys are hitting me up just saw some pictures and different things like, Hey man, I just want to hit you up and how you doing? You know, they, they're, they're checking on me, which I appreciate, you know, it's like, Hey man, I'm here for you too. I think if anything, it's kind of reminded all of us that serve there uh, to reach out and check on one another. So, and, and have a good conversation that maybe we haven't had in a while. So um, that, you know, that's a good thing. That's a positive that comes out of this, even though it, smaller to some of the bigger stuff. But, you know, I I really appreciate that. Um, Looking at the stuff that you talked about, Melon, I just want to say I respect everybody's opinion that served over there uh, on what's going on. Some people are saying it was a waste. Some people are saying, what do we do it for? Some people are saying, I'm proud of what I did. And it's not my fault that Policy and politics and government failed when the military did their job, and I've literally heard, I think every every angle so far. Uh, but I respect every one of them because those people that are talking that served there put put the time in. They gave up their time. They served their country. They went over there and lived it and experienced it, and they have every right to let out their emotion, what they're feeling, because. Every one of us has a relationship with war and it's different. Every one of us experienced war in a different way. Whether you were in Kandahar sitting at the, the FOB and you're in an admin office doing admin stuff every day and you never got to go outside the wire or you were like Raf and I going out on missions and intercepting dudes and, you know, <laughs> getting into it and asking for it, you know, uh, everybody's, everybody's view was different and i'll tell you for me personally and i'd like to hear you know you guys talk about it as well but me personally i'm very proud of what we did there and i agree while we were there we made a difference uh you know raf and i were in zabul province which is eastern afghanistan like so um uh, working under sort southeast and there were periods where we shut that place down a huge province okay for days where nobody moved because the Taliban knew that we were out hunting for them. And the people came out of their villages. They were roaming free, had free, you know, they were going to the market. They were going around They're like, Oh, this is nice. And they could actually see like, man, there's good stuff happening because we shut that place down. If there was a helicopter flying, these guys were tuck tailing and running, hiding in holes. And they, they they knew that if we saw them, we were going to drop in on them and, and, and take them out. So, um, having that brotherhood, those relationships that I just enjoyed the last few days with them. Uh, I'm grateful for all of that. And everything that we did there was wholeheart- wholeheartedly accomplished. And I don't regret anything that I did there. Um, I wish I could have stayed longer, actually, but that's my only re- regret. Uh, but outside of that, man, it was really good. And one of the things I've been thinking about <clears throat> is... Uh, the children that I, that I interacted with. Okay. This is 2012. Uh, I have two pictures, one of a baby and maybe about a year old in the snow. And I'll never forget has a little pink jacket on and a little beanie that looks like a bear, right? Little bear ears on top of it. And I walked into the village and there's this little tiny baby just rolling around in the snow, but had no shoes on, but it wasn't crying or anything. It was just there. It's just, I was like, that's a baby. You know and nobody was around it was just this little baby rolling around um so I thought I thought of him and then we went out on this other uh uh KLE a key leader engagement where we went out to one of the villages about I think it was like five or six K five or six K to the west of, of our fob and it was just going out for presence patrol and pop in and be like hey you know you guys need anything was a Taliban around like you know just presence and uh when I got off the my ATV, I walked up and there's these three little Afghan girls and they're maybe like eight, year, eight or nine years old and they just, they looked at me and the one was like stroking her chin, looking at me because I had a beard and she was like, oh, like that's nice. And then I have like a tattoo and they were looking at my tattoo, like, oh, that's nice too. And uh, I gave them all Jolly Ranchers and they were like super shy around me because, you know. Uh, women in Afghanistan are like, you know, you're not supposed to be around the guys or whatever. But the fact that I was going up giving them candy, I guess, was kind of awkward. And uh the interpreter came up and she's like, Oh, that that one there, she's smiling. She's she likes you, she wants to marry you. She said, <laughs> and I, you know, I laughed and I you know, I gave him extra candy and stuff and went about my way. But I, I think the last couple of days that's been popping in my head is you know, that was nine years ago, and they're you know the the baby's around 10 or 11 now and those three girls i hope they're alive and they're probably about 19 20 years old now maybe and uh all the stuff that's happening to the women there i mean i've seen pictures and videos uh the last couple days and uh i don't know i guess those little kids faces has kind of been on my mind so i don't know that's kind of where i've been the last few days Um, how about you guys
2: yeah, so I, mine's kind of similar to you, Mike. Um, I think about some of the work that we did. Um, obviously, I was there in 2012, and then I was there again in 2015 uh, with the medevac and uh, all, over the, all over the Helmand and then up at Bath, Kandahar. So I covered the spectrum of the country there. Um, there's too many stories to tell, you know, but I, out of those nearly two years of being out there in Afghanistan, obviously, I saw some pretty extraordinary things occur made peace with obviously that happened to me again in Iraq. Or oh, I should say initially happened to me in Iraq when John house passed away. Another good buddy, of mine, Earl Scott, um, also crashed out there in Iraq. So, you know, I'm sure I'm not alone in that regard where there's, I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast that have lost friends in Iraq and in Afghanistan. And it's almost like, um, it's a strange feeling because it feels like when we watched Iraq, kind of disintegrate into what we've recently seen in Kabul. Um, I I don't know, I just, I was hoping that we had learned some lessons in Iraq and maybe just thought, even though we don't want to be there for, you know, this, we kept calling it the forever war. Maybe the smart thing would have been to just keep a small presence because as some people know, uh, we would allude to the fact that I was doing some, some flying in some hostile areas. Well, Afghanistan was one of them. That's one of the places I would fly and. And we would collect things and help the uh, Afghan coalition guys and some other units on the ground um, kind of co-locate bad guys that were doing some, some pretty significant crimes against humanity. So anyways, I, what I'm trying to allude to is the fact that um, on the one, it's kind of a bifurcated uh, emotion because on one side, I think of all the fond memories and the people that I was surrounded by uh, from all across the world and also the Afghanis. And I'm like, super proud of what we did. And on the other side, I feel shame. I feel shame that I, that I feel like we betrayed um, some of the Afghan soldiers, the ANA, especially the the soft guys. Cause I mean, Mike, you can attest to that more than I can. Um, The ANA was hit or miss, you know, on the, the quality of the soldier, but the soft guys were usually pretty legit. I mean, I, I had zero issues having those dudes on board my Blackhawk and put him on the axe. Like, I never once hesitated. I never thought, oh, no, you know, it's Afghan soft, you know. Um, I, didn't, I don't feel comfortable. It was like that with the Afghan A&A. And luckily for me, I never had to deal with them too much. But um, so anyways, I think about some of the faces, not that I had the relationship that Mike has had, because it's not like I was kicking down doors with these guys. But even still, as a pilot, especially as a Blackhawk guy, you still get to know your ground guys a little bit, especially if you work with them pretty often. And those, you know, those are some of the faces I think about. And I think, man, I really hope they made it out or I hope they're in hiding or I hope they can wait this out till this all blows over. I mean, um, I'm not delusional. I know that their life is in peril. And uh, you know, I think there's a right way to do things. I think there's a wrong way to do things. And I'm not gonna get into politics, but um, as an American service member, I think that we... We didn't do it the right way. It has nothing to do with politics. I just feel like having people run for their lives and not supporting um, just the the. I mean, just the strategic things that we could have done to help the Afghans kind of hold a, a, the footing a little bit better. Uh, I just I think I'd, I I would have felt better, but I have like a pit in my stomach because I just think, you know, yeah, it's like a form of betrayal. It's the best way I can think of it. I felt the same way. Listen, to be to be equal with this. Um, I felt this way when Trump uh, pulled back our forces that were integrated in Syria, Northern Iraq from the Peshmerga. Anyone who's ever served in Iraq knows that the Kurds are our biggest allies in that part of the world. And when he just up and decided, yep, we're done here. We're gonna, we're gonna pull out. And of all that, it was at the behest of um, the uh, Turkish, the Turkish president, which hates the Peshmerga and everybody there knew. That, that was damn near death sentence for anyone that was close to the Turkish border. And now again, it was just as a as a as a service member who's actually been overseas and seen um and witnessed you know the atrocities of of some of this warfare, um, there's a white there's a right way to do it after all that sacrifice, and there's a wrong way to do it. And I and I feel like both times in Iraq and Afghanistan, we we by we, I mean our politicians just haven't learned any lessons. You know, it's like uh, and I'm sure Mike, Melon, you feel this way. People in uniform do all this heavy lifting, and then once all the heavy lifting is done, some politicians take some credit. And then uh, once the you know the opinion of the population changes a little bit, they're they're quickly to make these significant changes. And I and a lot of us feel like it's just it's done so hastily without um, any real serious thought into the catastrophic uh, repercussions of it all. Um, I I don't know. And it just, again, it's, it's a pit in my stomach and it, and and it feels like betrayal, even though I'm not physically the guy making decisions on how it's going to get done. Haven't been there, haven't served, haven't given air support, haven't been on the ground, have all that stuff. I I wish we, oh, well, I know we could have done better. And, um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. I'm trying not to be emotional. I'm trying not to get pissed off. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, keep even keel. But obviously, just like you, Mike, there's a Rolodex of images that are running through my head, faces, operations, engagements, you know, friends that didn't come back, wives that were widowed, children that I mean, just all these things, all these. And it's that's just the American side. There's also the coalition side. There's the Afghani side of loss and and uh, an atrocity. So it's uh, a lot of people paid a a heavy toll and uh, just it could have been done better.
1: Yeah. I sat around today with some of my guys and we were just, you know, (laughs) there's the Monday morning quarterback type thing, but it's just a bunch of us sitting around. I mean, I think we probably drafted a better plan on how that could have went in the amount of time. And, um, you know, I'll just call for what it is because this is a 20 year chapter that I think is closing. That makes us look like we're running with our, with our tail between our legs And uh, not with honor, you know, for how much honor and stuff that we talk about and everything else, I don't think we're leaving in an honorable way. Um, In my opinion, again, um, I think the withdrawal was completely backwards. Why did the military leave first before everybody else? And I understand that there were some Afghans and other people that did not want to leave in that manner. Uh, (laughs) The military, in, in my opinion, we should have surged a few thousand we should have surrounded Kandahar, Kabul, and Bagram and got out every American citizen that should have been out, followed by the Afghans that helped us out, the interpreters and everybody else. And once they were safe and secure, and there was a calm um, and secure extract of them, the military uh, should have been the last people on the ground because that's our job. We're protectors, we're equipped, we're. we're we can handle that And then pull in air cover And cover our exfil In case those guys got squirrely Then hey you want to attack us It's, it's on And then we're just going to bomb And then pull out right um, It literally seemed like It was completely backwards And we pulled out And just let people fend for themselves Yes there's the Afghan army But like I think everybody kind of knew It was 50-50 with those guys And you talked about the commandos The commandos gave a damn Like they loved being Afghani special forces and majority of those guys are doing the heavy fighting and they're well over their head against some of these Taliban groups that are, you know, a a few hundred versus 50 commandos. There's only so much they can do without the help of the conventional army. So the, those, the commandos are getting smoked because the Taliban knows that they're the major threat. But anyway, that's kind of, I was just like, there's no air cover, There, there there's no like, and it was a knee jerk reaction, let's throw 3000 Marines and an artillery company from Iowa, from the National Guard, as a knee jerk and throw them back in to retake ground to retake the airfield, and and hold everything off. I mean, god godspeed to those marines and those and those people being there and having to go in that situation but that's an ultimate failure on not just political leadership but on senior military leadership as well um i don't know what happened up at that level but if people did not speak their mind or step down in the face of knowing what was going to happen then that needs you know that needs to happen people need to be relieved for this because i don't find it Less than ironic that 20 years ago, almost to the day, there were Muslims flying airplanes into buildings in which Americans were falling 2,000 feet from the sky. 20 years later, there's Americans flying airplanes with Afghanis falling off of the plane 2,000 feet from the sky. How crazy is that? You know, so. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to find stuff.
0: Yeah. I, know, I know all three of us are struggling a bit in this conversation. I know that we're disappointed and upset and, you know, there's a range of emotions, no doubt. It's, it, it's like you look back now and you think the negotiations and the agreements were made to hand over power to the Taliban have set this up that this is inevitably going to happen. And then how how can you ever manage the end? <clears throat> how can you ever manage the withdrawal to prevent a collapse? You know, I mean, you had, you had on paper what was a well-equipped 300,000-strong force with air support, equipment. I heard it described as I had everything except for willpower and leadership. And to instill that, when you're telling them that you're going to leave, is very hard. And you can see the the difficulty when you have a group like that inside a country who know that the Taliban are going to be back in government. Why would you fight? Why would you stand and shoot against these people who are going to be the government in a month or two? Yeah. It's, it's very predictable how that's going to happen. And then you think to yourself how could this have unfolded in a different way? And I know that we've got our opinions, but it's like once you've had that agreement with these guys and you've said you guys are going to be the government next, it's like a... I'm just hoping that there's a, a some semblance of a brighter future out of these commitments that have been made and that there's some sense of wanting to be a member of the international community. I mean, there's been some initial statements that are coming out that I'm sure all of us will not take on face value and we'll wait and see what actually manifests. But, you know, there was negotiations with these people. They had leaders who negotiated with Westerners. There was negotiations in Qatar, like a power-sharing arrangement, and then a transition period, and then they're going to be in charge, you know. And senior leadership around the Western world, Knew that this was going to happen, and seeing the reality of it is pretty horrifying for us. And uh, yet, and yet, how do you, how do you have it any other way?
1: I think there tough- were, so, I think there were some things that were inevitable. I think there are some things that were, uh, that had a lot of variables that could go either way. But then I also know that there were things that were preventable, and the withdrawal out of the airport was preventable. Um, 100%. I don't, I don't think I, I haven't talked to anybody that does not agree that we should have that we should pull out in 20 years, you know, for it's 20 years, we should pull out I don't, I haven't heard one person be like, No, we need to fully commit and stay. You know, that's, that's fine. Like pull out it's 20 years, man. It's a long time. It's America's longest war. Um, that was a definite was the Taliban probably going to take over. Yes, I think so. The variable was the Afghan military were they going to put up a fight and it take months or were they just going to surrender and just kind of be like, Hey, take our stuff and whatever. And ultimately that's what happened. Um, but the withdrawal and anything that ends, especially in war is usually not pretty. It's, it's, it's war. Some side's going to take something. There's going to be some kind of vacuum, like any, anything, you go into another territory or country and then look at history and you wipe out, their leadership and everything else, like there's going to be a lot of changes. <laughs> so it that was inevitable, but looking at it is how do we withdraw with honor? How do we withdraw with a sense of, we didn't abandon you. We appreciated you for the people that were helping, because let's face it, the stories that are coming out and just like, Oh, they quit. They gave up those innocent civilians there. There's women, men, women, and children that are innocent, good-hearted people. They're not just dumb Afghans or, you know, people, you know, mountain people or whatever people think. Like, these are educated. A lot of these people have college degrees that they got from American universities. And over the last 20 years and the opportunity that they've had, women don't wear burqas and they're they're part of government. Like, there are women that are part of government and leadership and all this stuff. And they're, they're young children who are born post 2001, you know, in the last 10 years especially, have opportunities that no other Muslim in that region could possibly dream of, and now they're literally being hunted down. And, um, you know, this whole message that Melon you reference about these, the Taliban on TV talking to people at CNN like, oh yes, we're here, we're friendly, whatever, is straight bullshit, uh, because. <laughs> You look right over their shoulder and there's people shooting people off the wall trying to get over into the airport to escape the Taliban and they're shooting them for fun like they're like they're just animals, you know, and they're going around and they're going house to house looking for people that are supporting they've already raped and killed people they they spray painted their faces black and left them in the street to rot. I mean it's it's bullshit. I mean the Taliban are savages. They've cut off how many people's heads go back and be uncomfortable and look at the Taliban's record and what they did to Westerners beheading people um, shooting down, you know, two helicopters full of guys from my community. I will never forget that and what they did and and everybody else, the helicopter I lo- that was gone when we were there with Raf's buddies in, in the Wolfpack. I'm never gonna forget what they did. You know, I have that tattooed on my body: is never forget, never forgive. Um, I'm sorry, man, but they're savages, and they they will never stop until they have ever. If you think Afghanistan is just going to be their home, especially with all this equipment and stuff, they're going to spread, and Al Qaeda is going to come back, and all these people are going to get there for a bed down. And I'm very anxious to see what happens from not just the United States and the Western world, but the UN and NATO we can't afford to have these people with this equipment and everything else just doing what they want to do in the region or we're asking for another 9-11 we're asking for a mass attack or another ISIS to be born and, and push out. And we're going to have to go back there and kick the shit out of them too. You know, so it's like if we, if we would have got this drawdown and, and everything the right way, it was still going to happen, but not to this magnitude. And I think that's just really pisses us all off, you know, seeing this stuff on TV. It's just, yeah. Who the hell is leading this thing?
2: Well, it's like you said, Mike, it's, um, you know, it's the withdrawal. I think that gets a lot of the veterans, our emotions stirred up a little bit because we know what our capabilities are. And I know, I mean, I've seen our our brothers and sisters in action, man. I mean, we're straight up Titans, right. And what they do and, it could have been an orderly withdrawal with the sign of strength and honor on the way out the door right like it didn't have to be this fly-by-night operation lights out don't hand off the keys and and look like a coward and that i think that's what it is right even though we know it's the furthest thing from the truth it's the optics of it it's this fact that like somehow we're afraid of the taliban we're just gonna tuck tail and run it's the furthest thing from the truth they don't want to stand toe-to-toe with us they the sound of any rotor system coming at them, they're gonna immediately run into some trench or some hole because they know that dudes like Mike and you know um, all these other friends of ours are gonna come in. I mean, it just—it's the furthest thing from the truth. It's the optics. I think that a lot of veterans that have served, that have lost—that's the struggle. It's like we there's all this heavy lifting, and it almost seems like you know just through politics or you know again, I'm not gonna get to either side of it but it just seems like uh i don't know
0: it It didn't have to be this way right it just feels like it didn't have to be like this seeing the c-17 seeing the c-17 taxi on the taxiway with hundreds of people in and around and underneath and holding on the sides of the c-17 and thinking about what those that air crew in the flight station are going to be thinking and carrying with them for the rest of their lives seeing the back of a c-17 which is rated for like i think about 160 people with i think nine on 700 people standing and sitting just because they were like yeah we're gonna just take as many as we can until that back door is touching the roof
2: have you melon have you seen the picture of and I, I believe this is true it's a guy hanging or stuck in the wheel well his torso is kind of hanging off the side of the aircraft. I'll send no, that there's you some get.
0: things that on oh yeah. no, it's. Yep. Yeah. I mean, images like that are just powerful, powerful images that resonate around the world. Like the one you were talking about at the start, Mike, but the CH 47 coming down on the roof of the embassy, just, and you see like that is just an image we all know from Saigon and to see it again, like those images are powerful images and they can, they can have an influence out for years. Yeah. And that there's that, I know that the three of us, we don't have the solutions, but it's definitely a massive feeling of it didn't have to be this way. And That there's other ways that this could have gone in a orderly transition, which we're talking about with strength until the end and leaving allies with a feeling that they're gonna be supported and that they're not on their own. Yeah. And regardless of whether there is now support for these people and there's political and regional and international pressure and alliances into what's going to be the new government, there's the, the images are and the feeling is definitely going to be that people feel like they've been left.
1: And that message is going to have a ripple effect to everybody else in the future that we ever help again or new people that we try to help. And then we go to them and we're like, Hey, we're here to be your partner. And we're here to do this. They're going to second question that man. And that sucks. I mean, that's a, that's an image. That's a, that's a loud voice. That's going to happen. That's not going to reflect the military members that are actually doing the fighting and whatever is going on in the air and the ground. Um, And we're going to have to go in on a crutch. And it's whatever conflict we go into. If for any reason we go back into Afghanistan uh, to deal with this problem, there's there's probably going to be quite a bit of green on blue. And green on blue for the listeners, meaning your partner force starts shooting you because they don't trust you or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I had that when I was in 2012. You know, I had to wear a GoPro on my helmet because there was a lot of stuff going on where the, where the Afghan soldiers... Were turning on Americans on their trainers and advisors and stuff and I had to wear one in case I ended up having to kill them and I could fight it in the judicial system and be like hey I had to kill a friendly green guy because he turned on me you know now that's going to be even magnified like that's what I think you you partner me up with these guys like damn dude I'm going to I'm going to have to watch 360 now so there's a lot of ripple effect that's going to come from this not just like oh my god you know the the atrocities that are happening right in front of us that's not the only thing there's going to be a long term uh hole you know wound from from this it's just it's terrible man uh secret signals that they're in hotels and residences and hiding out because the taliban is literally going door to door hunting them down um i want to be there to go pull them out like I can't imagine in their mind if they're there by themselves or with their families and they're just waiting for their, the Taliban to come in and just do whatever they want to their women and children or execute them or make examples out of them or whatever, um, because that's who the Taliban are. Do, do not ever forget that, I, you know, everything 20 years ago and everything else through the, through the conflict, I know who they are and I know their ideology and what they stand for. And it is not peace, you know, um, but yeah, I' I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm getting amped up, man. Like I, I've had images throughout, throughout the day talking with my teammates and stuff. Is just like, dude, put it, put us in. Like, if you're if this is how it's gonna go, and you wanted to do that, then put us in and let us go hunt these dudes down and get these get these people back and get them safe. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve this at all. So,
0: not sorry. It's a tough conversation, you know, and I just. I think what we want for our listeners is for them to be able to talk to their friends, talk to their comrades that they served with, talk to professional experts. If they're having, uh, if you're having a hard time, the three of us are available. You can uh, you can hit us up. Our uh, email addresses are included at the bottom of each of these, and reply to all the emails we get. Mm. It's not like Like I don't think that this is a conversation we can have that has a nice tidy ending to it Mm. because the three of us have got feelings of frustration and upset and disappointment. I just want people to remember that 20 years of relative peace and 20 years of no successful major terrorist attacks coming out of this region is something to be proud of. It is the efforts and the sacrifice and the commitment has not been for no reason. 20 years is, is a long time. And there's the hope that that 50% of the people below the age of 35 are enough to have a lasting change that things won't they don't have to be the way they were before. So we're probably getting towards the end of uh, the episode here. Raf, is there any final thoughts you wanted to get out before we wind up?
2: Actually I did. And, uh, it's just, it's simply just kind of what we talked about earlier. And it's for any veteran that's listening, that's either served in Iraq or Afghanistan, um, you're probably going to hear opinions from pundits or whoever that you don't necessarily agree with. And I, for one, am absolutely proud of the work that we did overseas, whether it was Iraq, whether it's Afghanistan, each one of them had its own reason for why we were there, whether you agree or didn't agree. But while we were in the ground, we were doing some extraordinary things surrounded by absolutely extraordinary people and I'm going to be proud of the work that we did until the day I die like you can't take that away from me I don't care what administration you're a part of I don't care what your beliefs are politically if you weren't there I'm not saying your opinion doesn't count but you weren't there so <laughs> you can't take that away from me um you know that, that's it so I, I I hope for any veteran that's listening that you take that uh that that heed. Or heed that advice and really take that to heart. Um, because don't forget the things that we did and don't let anyone else kind of define your own opinion of what you did there, right? If you mm-hmm. were there, you saw it for your own for yourself and you surrounded by these extraordinary people, man, cherish them, right? L- like, think about them and just be like, dude, we were there, we did some amazing work, and don't let anyone take that away from you.
0: Hmm. Good stuff, Ralph. How about you, Demon?
1: Yeah, I raf said it so spot on but you know i'd like to add to the point that a lot of people are comparing this to vietnam and it is not this is this that war was that war and that was a different time in in our history this is a different time in history as well uh the people now and when i came home are appreciative they tell me thank you they give me hugs they you know it's it's a different thing so this is not vietnam um, this, this is completely different. So I, I don't look at it like that. There's a lot of relations like the helicopter picture and stuff like that, but it is two different wars, two different eras, two different meanings and outcomes. So it's different. Um, I'm, as Raf said, I do want to mention that I'm grateful for the relationships that I, that have come from this conflict. And like, I just spent five days with some of the best people in the world and that never would have happened if, I never would have went there and experienced the things that I did and had the amazing relationships, conversations and laughing and appreciation of everything else that I had um, if I wouldn't have had this. So there are are positives that come out of this and it's helped shape me as a man and the experiences that I did have there um, make me appreciate life uh, that much more. So um, I choose to look that way. And as Raph said, we accomplished the impossible many, many times things that have never been done in human history and we were part of things that nobody ever thought could have been done. Uh, Some things you'll never even hear about, which is fine, or at least not for a while. (laughs) Uh, So I'm very proud of that as well. And, uh, you know, I just encourage everybody to check on one another, get, sit and talk with your soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, everybody, people you served with, if you have contacts with foreign forces you're with. I was talking to some of my Lithuanian brothers uh, today, actually, and uh, reached out to them. And they're asking me about it because they served right next to me in RAF. And they're saying, hey, how are you guys? What are you thinking? And we're across the world, you know. So reach out to your friends, your teammates. Check on them and have these discussions. And just remember, feeling anger is okay. Feeling sadness is okay. Uh, In my opinion, feeling anything is good. So don't hate yourself or anybody else for it. Uh, if you're not feeling anything, then I would ask you to maybe go sit and talk with a professional or something else. Um, being that disconnected is not good, but uh, that's all I have to finish off with.
0: And we reply to all emails guys, you know, not your average Mike 77, not your average Giraffe, not average, Paul at gmail.com. You know, we're available. I, I, reach out to the guys and girls that you served with us or uh, a professional. I have no doubt that there are people out there who can help make sense of the feelings and thoughts we're all having. So until next week, guys, you know, look after your community. Maybe there are other people, maybe you're okay, but maybe there are people in your community who would really benefit from a, a check in about now. So, you know, From the three of us to you guys, take care and we'll see you next week.